Go. Were you traumatized as a child by watching Unsolved Mysteries? Do you like to judge facial hair? <laughs> Guess what? We have a podcast for you. Can you believe it? It's called Perhaps It's You. And it is an unofficial Unsolved Mysteries rewatch podcast. We're your hosts. I'm Samantha. I'm Liz. We're two cool mystery ants, not really, <laughs> watch an episode of Unsolved Mysteries each week. And tell you about it. We update you if any of the mysteries have been solved. We rate the episode on a scale of Robert Stacks. We can give episodes a possible five out of five Robert Stacks, although it rarely happens. Very rarely. We also complain about what everyone is wearing. And it doesn't really matter if you know anything about Unsolved Mysteries or not. You should tune in because it's the number one podcast on iTunes. Yeah, you can find us on Google Play, Apple Podcasts, most podcast platforms. You can also check out our website, perhapsitsyou.com, or find us on the social medias at Perhaps It's You. Yep. And get out there and solve some mysteries, bitches. Yeah. <laughs> I'm Danielle. And I'm Christy. And you are listening to Snacks with Stein. Let's do it. Welcome to Snacks with Stein. Uh, we just heard from the Perhaps It's You podcast. So if you're like me and you used to watch Unsolved Mysteries with your family when it aired on public television every freaking time, like I can remember sitting on the carpet, then you'll enjoy their show. They literally go through every episode of Unsolved Mysteries from the very beginning. But before we get into our show, we have a new patron which means a new Patreon toast. So everyone, please lift your glass as we toast Joshua Thomas. Danielle and I are wishing you a tasty beverage and a fancy cheese platter. We hope that you always take time to lick the batter. May the season be fall, so we can do a pub crawl and have drinks while discussing blood spatter. Cheers. So before we jump into our episode this week, we wanted to make sure that we brought to your attention some really big news in the world of Mr. Stein. And it is that Beer Street is officially going to be on Netflix. They are starting with three episodes, which is The Prom Queen, which we covered in episode nine. Go listen to it. The Sleepwalker and Cheerleaders, The First Evil. So far, no other details have been released. I think it's a, they're shooting for a 2020, 2021 release but with COVID and the like who knows but that's what we know so far but I think we're gonna have to do a watch and react episode on our Patreon when they come out for our Fear Street buddies so yeah I I feel like that's that's definitely gonna have to happen I also feel like Netflix was probably the correct platform I know originally they were trying to go feature film with it But truly, like, Netflix does a pretty good job of picking up things that have a a cult following. 
and making them into something awesome. Definitely. I'm excited to see what goes down. It's weird that they, like, I know that the cheerleader set is, is very popular, but it is part of a set. So it's yeah. odd that, mm -hmm. I don't know if I would have chosen, I think I probably would have chosen a standalone unless they have more planned. Yeah, they could have more planned or they're gonna hope they have more planned. It's one of right. those like, we hope so, you know. Right. So we hope this goes well. It's a Hail Mary, like, yeah, come back and see a cheerleaders too, <laughs> you right. know. Do we, I don't know if we have plans to cover the Sleepwalker. That's not one we've ever talked about, but I have seen it around now on Instagram a lot, actually. It's funny, it keeps coming up now. And I don't know if people are like getting onto it because of the show or if it's a popular one, but it's out and about as far as- I, I know it's one of the uh, originals. Okay. Like it's it's part of the originals, like first 20 or so that are- Okay, That keep number. popping back up. I don't know if I have it in a lot of books that I bought. I'll have to see. I mean, we'll have to cover it eventually. Um, yeah. But if, I feel like we have so much to cover between <laughs> now and then. Um, yeah. But yeah, well, I'll take a look and see if I've got it. Cool, cool. Okay. So what, what, have, what you having? Tonight, I'm having spooky Oreos. They're Oreos with orange cream. So all in the Halloween snacks and my wonderful lactose-free milk in mm. my trick-or-treat mug. <laughs> I love it. That's so festive. You are you are in it to win it. Are you I ready to go? I have stuff on my porch already, people. First in the neighborhood, out on August like 31st. Like, hey guys, I'm weird. It's me. <laughs> I, I was I'm dead. torn. Torn. Well, because of the stupid pool thing. So it's like, I don't like, I hate summer and I love fall and I want it to, I want it now. But at the same time, like I've had this pool up for all of a week. We've got like a <laughs> foot of water in it. Um, are you getting water soon? Okay. So there are lots of forest fires in Colorado right now. Right. The only company who could bring me 4,000 gallons of water in a truck and charge me around $550 to do it, keeps blowing me off. Oh no. And mind you, I think my pool is about a 9,000 gallon pool. So it's, it's not wow. even gonna get it all the way, but it would get it enough of the way so that I could like get the filter installed and get it water winterized and all that good stuff. <laughs> like, so he was supposed to come two weeks ago. Oh, we got called out to a fire. Then he was supposed to come Tuesday. Well, we got called out for a fire. Let me uh, let me follow up with you, call you Thursday morning. He never called me. And we run the water out of our well, learned the hard way, uh, trying to fill it up ourselves. So now, new plan, uh, which sucks, but it's, it's perfect. It's perfect for 2020. So. So what we're doing now in, in, in an effort to not overwhelm the well is we run the hose for 15 minutes at a time every three hours. Wow. And after a number of days doing that, we almost have a foot. Congratulations. <laughs> I don't know what else to do. I know. I ordered a pool that never came Yeah. Uh, for a summer that can suck my dick. And... <laughs> 
then I got the pool, and now there's no water. It's the most 2020 pool of all time. <laughs> of all time. And the whole reason we got the pool was to stoop because we weren't going to go anywhere and we felt bad for the kids. Whatever. So, yeah. So, I'm torn. I'm torn between, like, praying for some more hot weather so the kids yeah. maybe get to swim in their pool once um, before I have to close it. <laughs> um, <laughs> but also really needing it. the comfort of fall. Yeah, for me, it's still hot here, so I'm like, I don't care. I'm just going for it. And it's funny because I was reading an article yesterday that's like, all of a sudden, it's acceptable to have Halloween for two months. And I'm like, uh, 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 excuse me? There is a community of wonderful people who have Halloween for two months, three months, all year, whatever. All these people are just coming onto our lawn now because of COVID. And they're like, oh, Halloween stuff. And I'm like, they're going to go away next year. They're not going to be here. But the cool people will remain who will put out their shit on September 1st every year without fail. Get their PSLs in August. Start their pumpkin shopping early. Those are my people. They will not take it away from us just this one year but it's so funny now that it's like oh it's cool to have halloween for two months and i'm like mm-hmm. <laughs> like that no. was beautiful so well said <laughs> i'm putting out decorations for two months because i have yeah. a lot and it's stupid to put them up <laughs> and then turn around and have to take them no. back down exactly. i do the same thing for christmas exactly mind your business Yep, we put out, I mean, Christmas pretty much, we roll into Christmas because we keep a lot of the Nightmare Before Christmas stuff out for Christmas. Mm-hmm. Joke is that Skeleton Jack goes away and we put out the, the Santa Jack instead. And that's really the big change. Like, he's Santa now. <laughs> and really all the rest of it stays out. And we have a ton of Christmas shit too. So we just roll it on in. It's like one box goes in, one box goes out, and then... I always do Halloween early, but I made sure to do like way more early. So I'm like, it is the only joy I have in life. <laughs> so yeah. just give it. <laughs> yeah, we needed to take control of this situation. Put pumpkins in the pool. There you go. <laughs> well, we're Below. having an unseasonably warm September. So we made actually, Natalie doesn't give a shit. She was in it when there was no. a few inches. So every no, day okay. uh, at recess, she's out there swimming in a foot of water. Love her. She's like, I don't care. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. She's out there singing and splashing. Y'all like... need her attitude in life. <laughs> yeah, we could learn learn a few things. Yeah, but if there's anything that's gonna get you in the mood for fall, it's gonna be today's episode because we have a haunted house, Fear Street, the haunted house, Fear Street. It is book one in a set of three um, that we're gonna be doing. We're going to do something special with this little series within a series that we're doing of Snacks with Stein. We're going to do Haunted House Bingo. Yay. It's a thing. It's a thing. So if you will pause your podcast, visit the Snacks with Stein Facebook group, leave a comment on the pinned post that's going to be there that you want to play. I will respond to you with your personalized bingo card. And you can play along. 
Well, they're randomized, so because everybody has to have a different card, or everybody would get oh, okay. the same thing. So if you want to play along while you're listening to the episode, all you have to do is mark off your spaces as shit goes down. <laughs> okay? I have been waiting to do this set for a while. Like I said, it's a set of three, and I do remember reading these, and loving these, and reading them again. That said, it's been like 20 years, so I didn't really remember exactly what happens. Um, so we're going to rediscover it all together. I don't know these. You don't know these? You've never heard of 99 Fear Street? I've heard of them, but I have not. I'm completely not unfamiliar. It. Yeah. All right. Let's do it. Um, let me see. Now I lost my thing. What's all your fucking fault? Hang on. Uh, I did want to wait for Spooky Season because these are the ha haunted house books uh, for Fear Street. These are the stories that happen around this specific address. So this is like Stein's Amityville. Oh. The cover of the first horror features two young blonde girls. One has flowing hair and one has more of like a trendy kind of cropped cut. And they both look pretty, but they're very concerned. They have concerned face. Um, and they're standing in front of a door with the number 99 marked in glowing letters. Also, there's like a floating book. Because mm. she's not holding it. It's not sitting on it. And then there's like a butcher knife stuck in it. And then it's bleeding. I don't know why the book is bleeding. It's not something that comes up ever. So... <laughs> Random book <laughs> that we don't like. That's how we treat books. We the don't. book is bleeding? Yeah. Like somebody has stabbed the book. And there's a butcher knife like three or four inches deep into the middle of this book. And then there's like blood pouring from the wound. It's like the Necronomicon and Evil Dead. But not as cool. <laughs> not as cool. Copyright is from 1994 by Parachute Press. And I thought it was funny that there is a Fear Street book list on the inside cover. Like, remember where you used to be able to, like, order by mail? Um, yeah, you'd write, like, a check and, chick, mm -hmm. like, tick off the books you wanted. And whoever owned this copy used this as either, like, a way to keep track of the Fear Street books that they own or have already read because, like, some of them are marked through in, like, blue oh. pen. How Super cute. cute. It is cute. It's something I would have done. I have one. I'm looking at my Goosebumps one, and I ha they have that too in the back. Yeah. It has. It has. They were four ninety nine. So what would off. happen if we like mailed it off? I want to know. Should we just try? Just try. <laughs> like, Here's a right close a check. <laughs> We've got check. Bingo. We're grandmas today. We kind of are. It's okay. Hey, I had an aunt that, like, bingo was her thing. She was from Wisconsin. She used to call it bango. And, and it was, like, she had, like, the hat that was, like, bedazzled that with, like, the bingo on it. And she had, like, a tote for all her dabbers. That's, like, goals, basically. Like, my goal, like, my – this is a tangent. But my three goals for, like, my senior life, like, when I'm, like, senior, like, living status – it's either one, work at Disneyland and be like the old grandmas that work there because they're like my favorite. Mm -hmm. Two, 
be like those bedazzled people that play bingo or like one of those people like full on cat sweaters bedazzled yes, hats everything. yes yes or the best be that kind of same aesthetic but more flashy in vegas at a casino just sit at a slot machine all day yes <laughs> like and just go boop. like that's my other that's my three grandma goals <laughs> Like, hey, I may already be there. I was watching my novella the other day, and there's a scene where, like, the old ladies go to play bingo, and I thought in my head, hmm, that'd be fun. fun. <laughs> I want to go. My mom loves bingo, and she's not a grandma, and she loves bingo, <laughs> loves it. So, but she went on some cruise, and they played bingo on the cruise and stuff. I was like, well, better than just drinking all day. Then you can drink while playing bingo, so... Yeah, Either on a way. cruise. Yes, all, it's all it's all good. So here's okay. the weird thing. This one had no tagline. Oh. You can flip to the back, and above the description, it says the scariest address of all. That's my house. Just kidding. Right? <laughs> Today's story starts with a prologue, and it's titled 1960. So I assume that's where we're going. Um, Jimmy is working a summer construction job and he's talking with some other workers. He is over this job. Fuck this job, this job is bad luck. They've had three guys who were building this like house on this crew somehow leave the job already. Like one of them had a heart attack. The other one kind of mysteriously like fell off the roof. They had trouble pouring the foundation because bulldozers started to pull up human bodies oh a lot of them a lot of unmarked graves where the house that they are working on now sits weird so they've gone down to the basement they're gonna fill some cracks in the foundation which by all accounts should not be there because the foundation is brand new They're talking about their plans for the night, and Jimmy accidentally stabs his hand with a screwdriver, trying to open a can of caulking. (laughs) In a moment of frustration with his new injury, he kind of like kicks the basement wall, and a crack forms where he kicked. What the fuck do these guys use to bore this foundation? Uh, But I digress. So the crack starts to grow in front of them and it gets wider and they start to hear this like scratching and squeaking. And then rats start to pour from the crack, followed by a big black shadow. The shadow surrounds the boys and when it lifts a moment later, they're dead on the basement floor, surrounded by rats. Ew. So ends the prologue. Now, Callie and Cody with a K are twin sisters. They are fraternal twins. They are not identical. They're driving with their parents and their nine-year-old brother James to their new house on Fear Street. Mom and Dad say that the house is old. It was built in the 60s, and they're the first people to ever live there. They pass by Shadyside High School, and we learn that the girls are about to start their junior year. Also, Callie thinks of herself as, quote, the funny one. Okay, Callie. You just wake up one day and go, 
I'm the funny one, not you. <laughs> yeah, Kelly's kind of a bitch. We're going to dig a little deeper into that. I just so want to have up- that confidence like, to wake up and go, it's me. <laughs> I'm the one. <laughs> Here I am. Skips down to breakfast. Aren't you lucky? Um... <laughs> So they pull up to the house, and the first thing that they notice about 99 Fear Street is that there is no sunlight. The whole property is covered by these huge, imposing shade trees. Trees with leaves so thick that no sun filters through at all. And the house is huge. It's like two and a half stories, but it's real shitty. Like, it's in major disrepair. Mom and Dad are saying that, you know, it's gonna take a lot of work to make it nice, but that's why they got such a good deal. And I just have to pause here and say, I would probably buy this shit out of a house like that. I mean, (laughs) it's big old fixer-upper with tons of established old trees. Yes, please. I mean, aside from like mentally picking out paint colors, I'd be considering like where all the Christmas decorations would go and the Halloween decorations would go. You know, maybe we could head to Lawn Lovely and score some, like, ceramic ducks. Who knows? (laughs) You like that? You like how I did a throwback? I would get some worms with hats. But once they get out of the car and start looking around, it's established that Cody is a spooky bitch. And everyone makes fun of her for it. She immediately calls it and is like, this house is haunted as fuck. (laughs) And... Explains all the reason why a spirit would haunt a property, to which her whole family spook shames her and tells her to stop reading all these paranormal books. It's weird. Just be normal. Be normal, Cody. How rude. Be normal. I know. Rude family. Yeah, it gets better. Brother James is kind of a little shit, but you know, he, he's nine, so that's mm-hmm. kind of to be expected. Yeah. So they start unpacking the car, and the first box that Callie's mom hands her, box marked Good China. Bitch, what? <laughs> Who brings the Good China box in first? But, I mean, I, you don't want it to get broken, so you want to make sure it's in the house and safe. I guess. I don't know. I feel like I would bring in, like, I don't know what I would bring in first, but it sure yeah. wouldn't be, like, the occasional china no it's the once a year china yeah it's exactly what it is okay so callie's carrying the box up to the house when a tree branch breaks overhead and it comes crashing down she jumps back and it obliterates the box that she's holding au revoir good china (laughs) but at least it wasn't her head So everybody rushes over to make sure she's okay. There's a lot of nervous laughter about this weird thing that happened right off the bat. (laughs) Cue the mysterious real estate agent. Mr. Lori, who has a fake smile. One that doesn't quite reach his eyes. And he kind of like folds out of the darkness on the front lawn asking if everything's okay. Dad recognizes him and introduces him to the family. The girls ask Mr. Lori why the house hasn't been lived in until now. And all he can say is that the house has been unlucky. Mm. (coughs) Haunted as fuck. (coughs) He says that he just wanted to welcome them 
and then he bounces. <laughs> they all leave the broken china and head inside to check out the house. So okay. he came out of nowhere, and then he's like, bye. Yes. They didn't say he drove up either. Yeah, they, you said he just, like, folded out of <laughs> the dark. So, okay, quick aside, um, since we're on the topic of sinister real estate agents, yes. I watched Vivatrium, Vivatrium, Vivarium. Oh, it's like Vivarium, right? Vivarium. It's on Amazon Prime. Have you watched that shit? No, I haven't watched it yet. It's in my watch list. Okay. When you do, I need you to talk to me about it. Okay. I'll try to watch it next week. Like... It's old school Twilight Zone fucked up, and it gets weirder and weirder, and there's not many answers at the end. Mm. So I, I'm so curious to hear what your take is. I would, yeah, I'll try to check it. I'll have it. But it's there's in a my sinister watch. real estate agent in that movie. Oh, there's a theme of sinister real estate agents. Yes, <laughs> sinister. So Callie walks around with mom looking at all the rooms um, and she's shown the room that's supposed to be hers. Mom is enthusiastic because, you know, it's so big. But all Callie can see is like peeling paint and some, you know, mm -hmm. big nasty brown carpet with like a stain in the middle. And dad assures everyone that with some new paint, some wallpaper, some new carpeting, everything will look different. Mm -hmm. And he's not wrong. Some houses just need love. James is complaining there's not enough room for them to have a game room. And then he runs off to check the basement to see if they could put a pool table and a ping pong table down there. The girls follow James to the basement where all they find is the furnace and lots of cobwebs. And huge, crazy, attacking rats. Are they attacking rats? Yes. The rats chase them back up the stairs, screaming, and they slam the basement door behind them. Mom and Dad rush in to see what's going on, and they say what they found. And Dad says he'll have to get an exterminator out here as soon as possible. Then they suggest that they all head into town for dinner when the doorbell rings. Who's at the door, Danielle? The real estate agent. No. It's Mr. Hankers, the neighborhood handyman. There's a neighborhood handyman. Yeah, it's not suspicious. Um, <laughs> he saw the U-Haul outside and thought he'd stop by to see if they need any work done on the house. Mom is so happy about this super convenient, helpful stranger. But Dad, you know, thinks to ask for references. And they talk about price for five seconds. And then he decides, Mr. Hankers is hired. And they show yeah. him to the basement to set traps for rats. Because I guess that's also something that he does. Okay. Um, <laughs> well, I mean, if he's a handyman, you're kind of like asking to like be asked to do anything. Right? I guess. I've never encountered a for real handyman in real life. Me. Either. So I don't know what they do. Yeah. But I feel like that's a separate occupation that I don't know. But anyway, I mean, so Mr. Hankers. Packing rats, though, you would just want someone to like come and do it. They're like, oh, the rats are trying to eat my kids. 
So you can go down there, handyman. Why don't you go on down there, buddy? There you go. You go take care of that. That's exactly what they do. They shove him down there to close the door. Now, we learn that Callie keeps a diary. Of course she does. And that there are long diary entries in the book from Callie's perspective. And on the first night in the house, she writes about how much she hates her new house. She can't stop thinking of Rick with a capital R, who I guess dated Cody first, but like there's drama now between the sisters because Cody claims that Callie stole Rick with a capital R from her. But despite it all, Callie's hopeful she's going to go into town tomorrow and look for a summer job. She finishes writing and tries to ignore the sound of soft, scraping footsteps coming overhead in the attic. The next morning, the girls come down for breakfast, and Cody is complaining she didn't get any sleep at all because all the strange noises that she was hearing. Mom suggests that they open a window and try to air out the kitchen. Callie and Cody open the window in the kitchen, and Cody stays to look out while Callie goes back to breakfast. Dad swears he's going to cut down that big oak tree by the kitchen window to let some sunlight in. And then there's a sound that sounds like a knife hitting wood. And Cody screams. That's a weird The window has fallen back down on her hands and was stuck there. She's begging someone to help her and Mom makes it there first. She pries the window off of Cody's hands and lets her out. The window had actually fallen on her wrists, which is super weird. Why would you put your hands all the way out the window? But anyways, so the window falls on her wrist, which after testing them to see if she could move her hand and fingers, she decides that they're not broken. Dad says that right after Mr. Hanker sees to the rats, he'll have him look at the window. So he's basically a slave. Basically. Right? Cody's, like, more scared than hurt. She swears the window came down with such force... It was like someone was pushing it. So shit's getting realer. The girls meet up later that afternoon at a coffee shop called The Corner. For those of you who are looking at your shady side maps, this coffee shop is called The Corner. While waiting for Cody to get there, Callie meets Anthony who is a waiter at the coffee shop. And of course, He's dark-haired and good-looking. Why are they always good-looking? When is there going to be an ugly person? <laughs> what about that one guy from, um... Oh, wrong number. It was all brown. What was his name? Oh, yeah. The booger picker. Ew. He was supposed to be, like, slightly cross-eyed. I blocked him out of my memory. Uh, well, Anthony fortunate for Callie and for us is good looking. He's uh, got a silver stud in one ear and no, they don't say which ear. And he's interested in Callie. Or at least he's interested in flirting with Callie. Mm -hmm. Cody gets there and Callie tells her that Callie got a job at a boutique called Too Cute. A clothing store for couples. You know, in case you want to push your boyfriend as far away from you as possible by suggesting that you coordinate outfits on a daily basis. What in the world? I, apparently, there's a large customer base because they have a freestanding store 
want to open one of those. And no, Danielle, before you say it, planning family t-shirts for Disney is not the same thing. And no. they love it, by the way. <laughs> they sure do. Where your husband is like, no. Actually, he's a big nerd. He's as, as into yeah. it as I am. Like we we wear the um, the Monsters Inc. Mine says Schmoopsy Poo, and his says Googly Bear. So you're the people who buy those couple shirts. <laughs> oh, and we we make the kids do them too. Yes. Hey, I only have so many ears to force my children to do things. Live it up. <laughs> Cody did not find a job, but she's super jealous of Callie, who seems to have already picked out a cute guy to date. Have they had back five minutes. They have, but she has already been like, and it's you. <laughs> I don't know if she's just real thirsty. Like, I don't know. But that seems to be priority one for her. I just wanted to confirm the timeline. No, you are correct. You are correct. <laughs> so they head back home. They're going to tell their parents how the job search went. And they find them all in the kitchen. Where the only good thing that has happened so far happens. They got a puppy. Yay. A floppy-eared lab puppy. Oh. And his name is amazing. Danielle, would you like to guess what the new puppy's name is? I know I'm wrong, but I'm going to go with Pumpkin. Cute. <laughs> now, it is not Pumpkin. So here's the thing. The dog's name is Cubby, but when oh. I first read this through, I really thought that I read the name as Chubby. <laughs> so I'm changing it. So from now on, the puppy's name is Chubby. Deal with it. It's cuter. And I love it. Stop shaming the dog. <laughs> no, I want a tiny lab puppy named Chubby. <laughs> Chubs. <laughs> I love it. So from now on, his name is Chubby. Okay. They sit down to a dinner of roast beef and talk about rats in the basement. Yum. I know, right? Turns out Mr. Hankers has been down there all day dealing with them. And my first thought was, what the fuck is Mr. Hankers doing? <laughs> is he fist fighting them one at a time while <laughs> other rats held like tiny fists full of money and yelled out bets? Yep. Mr. Hankers, set some traps and fuck off. I'm very concerned about this guy's qualifications. That movie, oh, Willard. Wasn't that the rat guy? That's I guess. I think but like, seriously, when they when he said that like he's been down there all day dealing with the rats, that I was like, it's, it's, it's got to be like a fight club thing where he's like, come on, next one. Like, let's go. Just one at a time. <laughs> one like, at a time. Oh, fuck these rats. Um, so then another confusing thing happens. Mom says that she's hired a housekeeper today. Mrs. Nordstrom, who turns up out of nowhere, just like Mr. Hankers did. So, okay, I get the feeling that this is not a rich family. Okay, they buy an old house. The girls immediately look for summer jobs. But somehow, they have the money to hire staff. But wait, there's more. Dad suggests that Cody, that because Cody didn't find a job and she likes like fix it up type work, she should just stay home and help them fix the house. He'll pay her by the hour and everything. It'll just be like a real job. 
Cody agrees. Dad happily picks up the knife to start carving the roast beef. Callie slides behind his chair to get something from the kitchen when Dad jerks forward. And instead of landing the knife in the roast, it circles back and buries deep in his side. Ew. There's a beat. And Dad yells that Callie pushed him. She yells back that she didn't. There's no way she could have pushed his arm without anyone seeing it. And Mom takes Dad upstairs to see if he needs stitches. Cody says confidently that she knows it was a ghost that pushed him. She just, she knows it. Cody is Zach Baggins in this. Anytime something, it's a ghost. That fell off the wall, it's a ghost. (laughs) That's Cody. Cody's going to poke her head around and be like, it's a ghost. Anything that happens. You sneeze. It's a ghost. It's a ghost. Dude, bro. Okay. Um, Dad did, in fact, need 12 stitches, which is a pretty big gap. Um, That's a decent wound. The girls are talking late at night in Callie's room after Mom and Dad get back from the emergency room. And Callie asks why Cody always has to talk about ghosts. And Cody says that she knows it was a ghost who stabbed her dad. She says she felt a presence in the room right before it happened. (laughs) Callie basically calls Cody a freak, tells her she has to stop with all this ghost crap. Ghosts aren't real. And Cody just needs to grow up. Cody tells Callie to go fuck herself and she knows what she knows and she leaves and goes to bed. That night, Callie is pulled from a dream by the sound of three light knocks on her door. She calls out, but no one answers. The knocks happen again. She goes to the door, opens it, no one's there. She goes back to bed and she hears them again, but this time she pulls the covers over her head and pretends not to hear them. Which makes me wonder, do you sleep with your bedroom door open or closed? Closed, generally speaking. Hmm. We leave ours open, but mostly because I have to hear the kids. Like, I have to hear if they... But I'm trying to remember if before then, if I ever bothered to close the door. Like, when I had an apartment or... Well, like, in an apartment, we didn't. Because we were by, you know, like, it was kind of, we didn't need to. You know, but like. Oh, I guess, yeah, if you're going to live with other people. Okay. Yeah, I guess depending on your living situation, you know, like how it is. Right. Maybe if right, I right. lived in a house by myself, I probably wouldn't. The next morning, Callie gets a call from the boutique saying they're doing inventory and they don't need her to start work until Monday. So she's free to help Cody and Dad work on the porch. Mr. Hankers and Mrs. Norbert, Norbit? No, Nordstrom, have shown up for the day. He goes down to the basement to engage the rats in hand-to-hand combat, and she starts cleaning. He's back the, for the rats? Apparently, one day wasn't enough. We don't know. I, it makes zero sense. The girls head outside where Dad announces that the tree company is coming today to start cutting down trees in the back of the property. Oh, good. Let's bring chainsaws into this equation. Into the haunted house. Yeah, sounds solid plan. Cody says that she's going to go up on the ladder and see if she can fix a hole in the roof on the porch. She needed All she needed Callie to do was to hold the ladder steady for her while she was up there. 
So Cody goes up. And everything is fine. Until Callie feels the ladder start to vibrate. And then shake on its own. And then pull away from the house. Callie is literally fighting this ladder to go back against the house. But the force behind it is just too strong. The ladder is pushed away from the house with Cody at the top of it. The ladder goes down. And so does Cody. Cody somehow miraculously only gets the wind knocked out of her but she definitely blames the whole thing on Callie because Callie was the one holding the ladder (laughs) it it makes a lot of sense Callie feels like this is a great injustice and she decides to write about it that night in her diary she convinces herself that tomorrow must be a better day and she tries to sleep But just as she finds herself on the edge of dreaming, she hears that sound again. Three soft knocks on her bedroom door. She gets up and moves quickly to the door and yanks it open, but no one's there. She heads back to bed and the knocking starts again. She tries to ignore it and eventually falls asleep. When she wakes in the morning, her closet door is wide open and dark inside. She didn't leave it like that. Her eyes adjust and she sees that the closet is totally empty. All her clothes have been taken out and thrown all over the room. Every piece of clothing. Rude. I do close closet doors. Always. So, same. Yeah. Not as an adult, but as a kid. After I watched Poltergeist 3, I covered every mirror. Oh, wow, you went hardcore. Yeah, no, I wasn't I wasn't having anybody come out of that mirror at night. <laughs> Not today. <laughs> she gets dressed and she goes downstairs. And the scene downstairs is weird, okay? Everybody's at each other's throats. James has started looking around for Chubby. He can't find him. Oh. Cody is bitching about the eggs. Dad is bitching because Mr. Hankers is still battling the rats. Mom is bitching about Cody not eating the eggs. Mr. Hankers blows through on his way downstairs to battle the rats. Mrs. Nordstrom says that she needs to go to the basement for something, but not to worry because she's not afraid of rats. They're afraid of her. Oh. Uh, that's a totally normal thing to say, Danielle. What, how yeah. dare you? How dare you? Callie is yelling because someone threw clothes around her room and everyone has lost their damn minds. Sounds like it. Dad orders Callie to the front yard to look for Chubby. She's really pissed that no one's listening to her because she has to be the center of attention all the time. She steps out onto the front porch into a puddle of blood. Ew. And they follow the red stream with their eyes and they can see that the number 99 has been painted in blood on the front of the house. And Callie screams. The whole family comes out to see what the hell Callie is screaming about, and they study the numbers, but Cody immediately announces that she knew the house was evil. She she tried to tell everybody this is just the house trying to communicate. Dude, bro. They decided this is not blood, it's actually paint, as you probably had guessed. And mom and dad are like, this is kind of a mean prank. Like, we haven't been here very long, we don't know anybody, Who, who, who would do this? James is still calling around trying to find Chubby. 
and he's getting pretty upset, understandably. Go find that puppy. He cannot yeah. find his puppy. It's day two with the puppy, and we can't find him. They're bad dog owners. Seriously, kid, you had one job. Whatever. So Callie changes and goes with James to go help look through the neighborhood for Chubby. They're going to go look in the front yards to see if maybe he just ran off down the road. They're walking down the street, and they're looking in front yards, and they're calling out for him when Callie sees Anthony, the cute kid from the coffee shop. He's mowing a front lawn a few houses down, and Callie goes over to talk to him and asks if that's where he lives. Could she be that lucky? <laughs> nope. He just mows lawns for extra money on weekends. There's no way in hell he would ever live on Fear Street. And Callie's all like, well, what do you mean? What's wrong with Fear Street? And Anthony does the thing that all shady side kids do when they explain Fear Street to newcomers. He gets super serious and a little aggressive, and he tells her that Fear Street is a bad place where bad things happen. He asks which house is hers, and she tells him the address, and he does a double take. He then proceeds to go into this, you gonna die speech, right? He can't believe that no one has told her parents about the things that happened at that address. She invites him over to have lunch and to tell her the story, but he doesn't really want to go anywhere near that house. But she's kind of cute. Yeah, okay. He's, he's going to come over for lunch. So they keep searching. They can't find Chubby anywhere. James goes home and cries, and Callie promises him that she'll help him look right after lunch. Anthony shows up and suggests, hey, maybe we should just, like, you know, eat outside. It's nice out. He doesn't want to be in that house at all. <laughs> and she's like, okay, cool. So she and Callie and Cody make some sandwiches and they go eat under a big apple tree in the backyard, and they all listen to Anthony's story about the house. Anthony says that he heard from a historian in town the reason why their house is so haunted. He tells the girls that a long time ago, a man named Simon Fear and his wife Angelica used to live in the big burned down mansion on the hill above the cemetery and they own the surrounding land which is now most of the fear street neighborhood now we already know about simon and angelica from party summer this is the same same people okay. simon and his wife are thought to have tortured and killed many people during their time in shadyside they are a husband and wife like serial killer team that's new information yeah. Well, so 30 years ago, when they were digging the foundation for number 99, they dug up a bunch of coffins with the Fear family crest stamped on them. And the historian thinks that they had found the Fear burial place, meaning the place where they buried all of the people that they killed together. So when the bodies were discovered, the workers asked the future homeowner what he wanted to do. He said to keep working, that he didn't care about a bunch of bones, and he just wanted his house. Weeks later, he brought his family to see the house, and he went upstairs to check on something. He left his wife and two children on the first floor. When he came back down, his family was there, but they were dead. Their heads were gone, 
They had all been decapitated and their bodies were bleeding out on the living room floor. Excuse me. It looked as if someone had ripped their heads from their bodies. And the heads were never found. The builder? No one knows what happened to him. But since then, no one has ever moved into the house. Until Callie, Cody, and their family moved in just a few days ago. And just as he finishes his story, they hear James screaming from inside the house. I'm gonna let the backstory sink in a little bit. That's a gory one. Ain't it? Mm-hmm. And it's it's so efficient. <laughs> I mean really like we're gonna we're not gonna mess around with days of like, oh this cup flew across the room or <laughs> like we're just gonna take your head off. Yep. Just that's it, bye thanks. <laughs> that happened quickly. I like that. It's just one yeah. and done. You know the shit's effed up. Get out of here. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. They all drop their lunch and they run to see what's going on. They run into the kitchen and they hear James yelling outside. So they go out back and James is yelling for Chubby. He says he was in the kitchen and he could hear Chubby barking outside. But now that he's outside, he can't hear anything. They go into the kitchen and they see if the puppy was in the house and maybe James just thought he was outside. But Mrs. Nordstrom is running the garbage disposal at the sink and they can't hear anything. She turns it off and asks them to bring that dog in the house. Because now, standing in the kitchen, they really can hear Chubby's little yips and, and howling to be let in. But when they go back outside, it's quiet and he's not there. Where Bill? And this is where I had to put the book down for a minute. Listen, don't fuck with Chubby. Nope. Just don't. Can we all agree that adorable lab puppies named Chubby are to be left alone? In a world of chaos, disease, and bullshit, I think that the one thing that we as a people can unite and get behind is don't fuck with Chubby. Agreed. That's why I'm voting Chubby for all the things. Chubby 2020. I'm going to get a sign from Elon. Chubby 2020. You might attract the wrong, I don't know. <laughs> well, you picked this name. All I'm saying is if we ever open like a ladies club where there's gentlemen <laughs> dancers, we should name it Chubby 2020. <laughs> <laughs> Write that one down for the future. <laughs> Yes. When we need new jobs. Trademark. <laughs> they look around some more and they can hear him, but they cannot see him. Anthony says that he has an appointment to mow another lawn, but, you know, he asks Callie out to a movie next Saturday night. She agrees and they see mom and dad pulling up to the house. Cody wants to tell them about Anthony's story, but Callie says that she really shouldn't. Dad's been super stressed about the move, and now they're going to have to deal with James and his breakdown over the puppy. 
Callie told, tells Cody to just, just, you know, wait a minute. Just let them deal with some problems that are happening first, and then you can lay the story on him. Cody accuses Callie of still not believing that the house is haunted, and Callie's like, hey, you know, I don't, I don't know what I believe. This whole haunted house thing, it's not really about me. So just wait to tell them, okay? That night, Callie's wide awake, and she decides to find out what's really going on with this, like, knocking on her door. Mm -hmm. She sits in a chair right in front of the door, and she waits for the knocking to start. She waits, and then it comes. Three little taps. And in the middle of the next knocking pattern, she pulls the door open and finds... Danielle, what does she find? Rats. A tower of rats. They're all standing on each other's shoulders. Like, um, I don't know if you're a Muppets fan, but like Muppet Man. Like, what do yes, who are they all? Muppet. They have like a trench coat on. Yeah. <laughs> that would have been much better. I love that. <laughs> Unfortunately, no, that would have been better. Rats in a trench coat. Um, her, it's her twin sister, it's Cody. Oh. Which I'll admit that, like, I kind of guessed Cody was doing the knocking just to fuck with her. Yeah. But Cody then goes on to confess that she's also the one behind the closet incident oh. and the red paint on the front of the house. She's just a butt. Kind of. She explains that she was pissed and concerned. You know, no one's going to believe her that this house is haunted. So she was trying to convince them. You know, they're, they're definitely all in danger. They need to understand that. She was just mm -hmm. helping them understand. Right. Callie is furious. Not only about what Cody has been doing to her, but also like the stress that she's been putting on her whole family. She tells Cody that she hears dad like talking to himself after dinner and muttering about Chubby and the house. Callie makes Cody a deal. She won't tell mom and dad what Cody's been doing, but Cody needs to drop all this ghost shit for a while. Cody agrees because she does not really have a choice. She doesn't want to get in trouble. And then they all go back to bed. Hours later, Callie still can't sleep. She's just kind of restless. You know, she feels hot. You know, when you're hot, you can't sleep. Mm -hmm. So she gets up. She's going to go to the bathroom, put some water on her face. She's still kind of half awake. She turns the light on, turns the tap on. She splashes some water on her face. But there is this awful smell. Mm -hmm. She's half asleep, but now she looks and sees at what's coming out of the tap. It's fat, chunky, green vomit excuse me vomit that she has just smeared all over her face and hair oh my god no yeah i'm done i'm hanging up the phone oh it's getting worse you have to stay in here i have to do it you have to do it too <laughs> she... i can't do bar <laughs> She turns, neither can she, neither can she, she turns and like gags and wretches and then like Cody comes in to see what's happening because she thinks that Callie's getting sick, 
but when she smells it, she kind of starts to retch too. And now the sink is filling with chunky green vomit. And no. it's not stopping. It's starting to overflow. Mom and dad come running in to see what's going on. And the girls are trying to stop the flow with like towels and they, they're turning the knobs and nothing's happening. James comes running in yelling, he can hear Chubby barking again. But mom says she can hear it too, but it seems so far away. And mom and James go downstairs to look for Chubby. Dad manages to shut off the vomit flow and Callie nearly like slips in it and breaks her face. She's like, I am going to my room to change. And she runs into mom in the hall and mom has her arms stretched out to Callie and she's calling for help because mom is covered in blood. Like Carrie prom night style covered in blood. Dad comes out and starts, you know, screaming, is she hurt? Where is she she hurt? Mom's like, I'm not hurt. I'm not hurt. Everybody kind of rushes to check on her. She had gone to the bathroom to get a robe to go look for Chubby, and there was blood dripping from her ceiling. And they all rush to the master bedroom where there's a huge puddle of blood just like spilling down from the ceiling. Dad's like, it's it's coming from the attic. There's, There's something up there. So guess what he's going to do? Go up there. (sighs) Like an idiot. (laughs) I don't... I don't know. Like, we're we're Judgy McJudgerson, but like... (laughs) I mean, I guess you would want to know. Yeah. No, I don't want to know. No, we're done. He's gonna go look. He's gonna go look. So they listen. They hear his footsteps on the ceiling. He walks across the floor and then he stops for like a good minute. Then he comes back down. He's completely white. He announces he found the source of the blood. Danielle, would you like to guess? I don't want to say it's the dog. It is not the dog. It's more piles of rats. Hmm, I feel like rats wouldn't contain enough blood. Well, there's like a billion of them. Like, Muppet Oh, that's true. <laughs> right, right. They they ditch their trench coat and then... I'm going on this train of Muppet Man rats now. <laughs> You're seeing Rizzo? Not yeah. killer, like, horrible rats. No, it's like, like Rizzo and his friends. Like a friendly Brooklyn rat is going to serve his pizza. No, it is heads. <laughs> Human heads, specifically two children and a woman. Oh, the heads. Okay. So dad starts wailing, no. And mom's like, can you call the police? (laughs) 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 And Stein has never gotten it more real or correct in that moment. (laughs) (laughs) It's amazing. The police come, and of course, they find no heads, but they also can't explain the huge blood stain and blood everywhere from the attic floor to the bedroom ceiling. A doctor comes and gives Dad a tranquilizer, because that happens, um, to help him sleep, and everybody takes one-hour showers trying to clean up after the night of blood and vomit. They clean up the bathroom, 
in the bedroom as best they can, and then they all shower again, because gross. Right. At this point, there is no doubt. Everybody knows the house is haunted AF, right? No doubt anymore. And everyone's more or less in shock. Dad is the only person who got any sleep because chemicals. And he says in the morning that he's going straight to Mr. Lori, the real estate guy. He's going to demand that they tear up their mortgage and that they get all their money back. He had to know what was going on in this house. And he's, he didn't say anything, which, by the way, is illegal in the United States. You have to fill out that little disclosure form that, like, says the stuff. Oh, right. Like somebody died or whatever, right? Or something happened. Or, or something there's, like, some kind of an active problem. So, like, when we moved, I neglected to put on the disclosure form that I thought my neighbors were meth heads. But that was conjecture. I didn't have any proof. So, Callie calls into work because, you know, that'll happen. And Mom is worried that Dad is too upset to drive. But Dad is super pissed. He's going to work this shit out with Mr. Lori. Um, but he notices on his business card there's no phone number on the business card. There's just an address. For 424 Fear Street, which is weird because he's a real estate agent and he probably needs a phone. Dad calls information and there's no listing. Fuck it. He's going over there. Callie wants to go with him and he says he could use the moral support. So they go and get in the Taurus. They're going to go see Mr. Lori and handle this situation. Yeah. They drive down and they start counting the numbers on the mailboxes. They get to 422 and the next number, which should be the real estate office is an empty lot. There's nothing there. They just idle there for a minute, checking and rechecking the mailbox numbers around the empty lot. Then Callie has an idea. Anthony told her about this town historian who works at the library, which is where he heard the story of the house. Maybe this historian could help them find Mr. Lori. Dad said it's worth a shot, and they head over to the town library. On the way, Dad starts muttering about how they gave Mr. Lori all their money and how every last penny went to getting this house. Okay. <laughs> Number one, you spent all your money on a fixer-up house that by definition will require money to fix it up. Number two, you sure as shit have money to hire a staff of people who help you with fixing that house up. And number three, you can also hire a professional tree company, which is very expensive, to come out and cut down trees in the yard. Not because they're a hazard, but because you want a little light in here. I digress. It's not the point. Okay, so the little old man who is the town historian at the library is super cute. He's cracking jokes about, like, being nosy and minding everyone else's business. He says that he knows everyone in Shadyside for the last 30 years. He is... The town directory. Dad says they're looking for a Jason Lori, who is a real estate agent who sold them their house. And the cutest librarian in the world goes off and comes back with a huge ledger book, which has all the business listings of Shadyside. And they don't find Mr. Lori. But the little old man pulls out historical records that he's been keeping on the town since 1950 and finally finds Jason Lori. It's a news story from 1960 about local real estate agent Jason Lori finding his family dead inside a new house that he had built for them. A month later, he hanged himself. 
in that same house at 99 Beer Street. The next chapter is all a diary entry from Callie. She writes about how they're all so afraid now, but how they can't leave because they don't have any money to move anywhere. They're stuck. Dad is slowly breaking down. James, this poor kid, keeps being tortured, hearing the cries of a puppy that he can never find. So he's not doing very good either. And mom and dad have him signed up for day camp for no other reason just to, like, you know, get him out of the house. Another thing they probably shouldn't have money for, but whatever. But he doesn't want to go to day camp because he doesn't want to leave Chubby. Callie has been going to her job at the boutique every day, and Mr. Hankers keeps showing up and heading down to the basement. So really, no work is going forward on the house. They're all just trapped there, waiting for the next terrible thing to happen. So what does Callie do? She heads down to call Anthony and picks up the phone and asks him to come to her house tomorrow for a family dinner. When he hesitates, she starts teasing him about, is he really afraid to come to their house? Bitch, you were just writing in your diary about how terrified and fucked up your whole family is. But she basically bullies him into agreeing and she promises that nothing will happen. Nothing bad's gonna happen. So, we've already established, but Callie's kind of a selfish bitch, okay? If everyone dies a horrible death, that's fine. As long as she gets to see her boyfriend. The next night, Anthony shows up on time, looking hot in black jeans and a striped rugby shirt. She meets him at the door and she lays one on him. She just needed to be kissed. And they have a nice long kiss. And then she pulls away and she tells him, you know, my parents aren't home. They're visiting relatives and they took James with him. And Anthony's like, so it's just you and me? And that's about the time Cody pops her head around the corner and was like, yeah, and me. (laughs) But they still have a nice time. They make spaghetti and brownies for dessert. They talk about how they can't wait for school to start and how the summer is kind of blown. I feel you. But there's laughter and conversation for the first time since moving into 99 Fear Street. Anthony starts cleaning dishes. He takes them to the kitchen. They need to hurry up and clean up because Anthony's taking Callie to a movie at the mall and they don't want to be late. Then there's a scream from the kitchen. It's Anthony, bent over the sink with the garbage disposal money. He's pulling in his arm. The gears of the disposal are grinding loud and he is pulling at his arm and screaming louder. Callie dives past him and hits the switch to turn off the disposal and Anthony starts screaming, my fingers, my fingers. And he holds up his bloody mangled hand. And this is where I threw the book across the room. Fuck Stein, fuck this book, fuck garbage disposals. Ever since the 1985 blob, I cannot, I cannot with garbage disposals. I cannot stick my hand down there for anything that has fallen in, even if it's unplugged. I unplug it and I make my husband do it, but I have to leave the room. He makes fun of me, but I just, I can't. I cannot. I can't do it. I can't do it with garbage disposals. So they think kind of quick. They wrap his mangled hand in some like napkins and drive him to the hospital. The next day, Callie goes to visit Anthony, who is super high on painkillers. But Anthony's mom says that the doctors were able to sew two of his fingers back on. 
but they don't think that he'll ever be able to use them or move them. He did manage to say before passing out that it was as if some kind of invisible hand grabbed his wrist and sucked his hand down into the disposal. There was nothing he could do to stop it. Way to go, Callie. I hope your dinner with your boyfriend was worth it. Callie heads home. Things are not great, okay? She finds Dad pacing in the living room, shaking his head vigorously back and forth. James is sitting on the couch, swaying slowly back and forth, just saying that he wants chubby. He just wants chubby. Me too, buddy. Me too. Mom went to bed early because she was upset, obviously. Mrs. Nordstrom finishes cleaning up all the blood in the kitchen, and she leaves, saying that she'll be back the next day. We then learn that the reason that mom and dad went to visit the relatives was because dad was trying to get a loan from his cousin so that they could move out. He was not successful. Dad is starting to lose it. He says, they're just tired. They're just, they're overtired. They've stayed up too late. If they get some rest, everything will be fine. And he orders everyone to bed and starts silently crying. After brushing her teeth, Callie checks on James, who is 100% regressing, okay? He wants her to read him a storybook from when he was like a toddler. She's like, okay, I guess I'll read you the story. And it it makes him a little bit happy, but like everybody in this house is 100% losing their shit. So what would you do? What do you think? Homeless or haunted house? Haunted house. Really? Yeah. I don't know. Homeless. I feel like I'd go park my car somewhere and sleep in it. Well, I guess if I had, okay, this this is one of those, like, what are my accoutrements in my homeless life? Do I have a car? Yes. Then maybe I would choose homeless. Hmm. I think it depends on where you would be homeless, too. Yeah. Like, what city are you in? If you're in Arizona and homeless, no. Because it's like a billion degrees. Or if even in like where you live, maybe not. Yeah, no, yeah. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know what I would do. (laughs) I think it's different if like if it's just you or if you have kids. If I had kids, I'd be like, I'm out. Yeah. We'll figure something out. And then like how haunted. (laughs) I'd be showing up at relative's house. Hey! Surprise! Man haunted. <laughs> well, and it's like they have all this money to hire like handymen and yeah. housekeepers, but you can't go stay in a hotel. Right. That's I don't understand. Unless those people aren't getting paid because they just showed up. Like, hey, I'm bored. But that's not a thing. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. It, none of it. Okay. None of it makes sense. The night Callie tries to call Anthony at the hospital, but Anthony's mom says he doesn't want to talk to Callie anymore. <laughs> Rightly so. I personally also draw the line at disfigurement. So Callie's writing all about it in her diary when she hears the first scream. It's James. He's calling for mommy and daddy. He's screaming, mommy and daddy, come get him. And they all rush to James' room. But he's not there. They search the house, but they can't find him. And the whole time they can hear him begging them to please come get them. It's so dark where he is. He doesn't want to be here. Please find him. 
They go back to James's room where they can hear him the loudest when Mom says she knows where he is. He's inside the wall. His little voice is coming from inside of his bedroom wall, and Mom starts yelling at Dad to get him out of there. Yeah. And Dad just starts trying to shred the wall with his bare hands, which doesn't do much except for cut Dad's hands up. And James's voice seems to be getting softer now, and he's just begging them to come and get him. Mom is screaming now for someone to get James out of the wall, and Dad snaps that they need tools, and Callie's like, I'll go get him, I'll go get the sledgehammer. So without thinking, she runs downstairs and gets to the basement door. She is in panic mode. She just opens it and heads down the steps. She's barefoot, and she stops before the last step to see the basement floor crawling with rats. Rats fucking everywhere. More She can rats. see the sledgehammer. I know. What has Mr. Hangers been doing? Why are there so many rats? Like, whether they're, like, is there a rat colony under the house? So she gets the to the wall, she gets a sledgehammer, she kind of whirls around, she's ready to like do battle with the sledgehammer. All the rats stop and kind of sit up on their hind legs. Oh, that's creepy. And look at her. And now she's got to get back to the stairs. So she's basically like, fuck it. She runs and they don't move. She gets to the steps and they all screech in unison. And she hauls ass up the stairs and closes the door behind her. She gets up to James's room. Dad takes the sledgehammer for her and starts like hacking at the wall. Okay, dude, hope you don't hit your kid. Whatever. Yeah. But he's hacking away at this wall. He's he's in a panic. He's gonna he's gotta get his kid out. Even if it kills the kid, he's gonna get him out. After several minutes, he makes this huge hole in the wall. Here's the deal. It's an empty hole. Normally, you would expect insulation, wires, the next room, but this is a dark, empty hole that just opens out into nothingness. And guess what? James ain't in there. More rats. It's it's just a black, cold abyss. And they all stand there looking at it. And James starts to cry out again, but this time it's coming from downstairs. So Mom yells, he's downstairs. And then they all rush into the hallway, and Mom's out front at the top of the stairs when she cries and falls. And they can hear her hit every step on the way down. The girls get to the bottom of the stairs. Dad's hunched over Mom. They're trying to figure out if she's okay. And she starts to groan. She says her arm, she fell on her arm. She thinks she's broken her arm. And the girls are are convincing mom, like, hey, we need to go to the hospital. We have to get you to the hospital. And she's like, I am not leaving without James. Then James calls out again. Now his voice is coming from the ceiling. Dad yells, he can hear him. He knows he's in the ceiling. He's going to come and get him. James starts yelling, he found Chubby. Chubby's there with him. Girls are yelling at dad. They need to take mom to a hospital, but dad is not even hearing him. He's yelling back at James, daddy's coming. I'm gonna gonna get you out of there. We're gonna get you out of there. And he goes and gets the ladder. 
and he starts to hammer a big hole in the ceiling and a large chunk of ceiling falls. And dad looks up into the dark hole, calling for James. There is no answer. A long spider black hand reaches down from the hole and closes its fingers around dad's face. It waits for a minute and then the hand retracts back up into the ceiling and dad starts yelling for someone to please help him down, help him down the ladder because he can't see. He's totally blind. Now there's a little bit of a time jump. Okay. I think it's a, like the next night. So the family has spent the whole day at the hospital. Dad is still there. He's not been released yet. Mom had to have some kind of emergency surgery on her arm, and she's now in this like huge cast. She's going to need a lot of help with things. Like, it's yeah. not looking good for this family. No, they sound like a mess. At the hospital, they called Dad's cousin to ask if the family could move in with them for a while, and the cousin said sure that they could. So the plan was to pack up some stuff and head to the cousin's house once Dad got out of the hospital. But Mom says she's not going anywhere until they find James. The girls calm her down, they have her rest, they all try to get some sleep, and Callie's laying in her bed going, how is anybody gonna sleep in this house? But she's, she's trying. And just before she starts to drift off, she hears it. The three soft knocks. Fucking Cody. That is sick. How could Cody do that right now? So she runs and opens the door and she sees Cody fleeing down the hallway with her long white nightgown kind of flying behind her. And she's yelling at Cody to come back. Her sister turns and she's got this creepy ass smile on her face. But as Callie gets closer, she sees it's not Cody. It's not Cody at all. It's Callie. She's staring at herself. And the smile on wrong Callie gets wider. And she points back to Callie's bedroom. The thing told Callie to go back to her room and read her diary. So Callie runs back and opens the diary and she sees scrawled in all capital letters, I died tonight. OMG. Callie screams and the floor at her feet starts to bubble. It turns into black, bubbling, burning tar. It closes over her feet and she's stuck and it's burning her. And she reaches down with her hands to try to grab her ankle and pull her foot free. But as she does, about a dozen black tar hands shoot up out of the rolling pile and grab her wrist, burning her and pulling her deeper. And she's sinking and screaming now. And she screams for Cody to help her as she gets sucked further and further down. Cody comes to the doorway, but she's frozen for a minute before she snaps out of it and tries to pull Callie out. But it's too late. As the tar moves farther up Callie's body, she can now see the outlines of dead faces, dead screaming faces in the tar. And Callie is completely enveloped she died and we know this because in the next second her ghost 
flies up out of the tar, filled with the hatred of the dozens of ghosts of 99 Fear Street. And now we get another little time jump. It's a few days later. Callie's ghost is watching Cody and mom and dad pack up what they could to leave. Dad is blind. They've given up any hope of ever seeing James again, and they're just trying to get out of there as fast as they can. Callie's ghost is pissed. Why do they get to live, and why does she have to be dead? And as they load up the car, Cody looks up at the window, and she can see Callie watching them. She tells her parents, I see, I see Callie, I see Callie, but her parents aren't done. They get in the car, they don't even look. Cody calls up to her and says she'll come back for her someday. And then they leave. What? And then there's an epilogue. Because, as you know, this is a three-book set. And the epilogue is just about ghost bitch Callie uh, watching Mr. Laurie move a new family into the house on 99 Fear Street. They have a teenage son, and Callie is super excited to have new people in the house to torture. And that's how it ends. That's intense that's why it was so long because i couldn't really leave anything out right. now if you are playing bingo at home somebody definitely should have got bingo in it by now because i put all that shit on your bingo card so as it's happening you can mark it off but yeah that's uh you know usually his stories have somewhat happy endings well sometimes i guess not always but you always have a little bit of hope but this was, and this this is one where he came real close to just killing everybody. Yeah. Cray cray. But also good. Like that's a good. That's what you want. Yeah. From a haunted house. I I did feel like it was kind of a rip off when the kid goes missing and they could hear his voice. Hmm. I was like, oh, are we doing poltergeist now? <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, I could definitely see. Some parallels there. You know what I wish? I wish the kid would have been evil. Like, instead of, like, him being in distress and then running from place to place trying to, like, help him, I wish they would have, like, heard his voice, like, calling them into, like, new traps or whatever. Also, we never really got any information about Mr. Hankers or Mrs. Nordstrom. Like, that is never explained. I'm hoping we get, well, you said it's three parts, right? So yes, there's three parts. Come back. I don't know. It'll be interesting. We've never done, like, sequels before, and we're going to do, like, all the sequels to this set. So right. it'll be interesting to, put like, put them all together. But, yeah, that was it. The first horror oh. <laughs> haunted house bingo. If you guys thought it was fun, let us know. Maybe we'll do it again for the next book if it's just as cray-cray. But, man. Man, oh man, that was a lot. That was a lot. That was okay. a lot. Okay, so lately our Patreon has been really popular and we appreciate everyone so very, very much because each patron gets us one step closer to our goal of 50 and the cup of swag giveaway. 
and the cup changes color and it's full of awesome snacks with stein themed goodies and speaking of goodies we want to know what you all think about merch do you want to represent snacks with stein on a t-shirt or a mug or maybe a sticker so leave a comment in the Facebook group with your merch ideas, what you guys want to see from us, because we want to hear from you as our fans and the people who would be out in the world representing us. So let us know in the Facebook group, please. Yes, please do. Like, this is really just an excuse for us to print up some shit with our logo on it. And we're real, real excited about it. So let us know what you want. We want stuff. We do. We want the stuff, but we can say, hey, they said we needed this stuff, Mm -hmm. so we made this stuff, and then we're like, "Mm -hmm, we have all this stuff. (laughs) Next episode, Danielle is taking us back to Goosebumps with a book that is kind of dear to me because I do remember reading it. She's doing Welcome to the Dead House. We're, We're on theme with houses right now. Apparently. Well, it's okay. It's all right. It's spooky time. We, it's time for spooky houses. So that means until next time, we are out. Like the generators before a hurricane. <laughs>